0: Prayer Wheel, a verticill of sepals, a velvet lavender whorl, soft as a pigeon's breast, where the bee rests. This is my dreamscape. Earth, hold me tenderly as a milkweed husk holds her seeds, as the tendrils of wild grapevine hold their droplets of dew, or the trembling fescue holds for an instant each subtle breeze. Carry me, please, back to the soil because I am caught, in a current of exhaust, from a city bent on breaking each of us. Another copse turned to corpses, another field drowned in a flood of cement, poisons left for possum, traps left for fox, an assault on all of us. And watch how fast we spill our own blood. O earth, please hold us, enfold us, transform us the way lichens transform stone.
1: Welcome to Madison Book Beat, your listener-sponsored community radio home for local authors, topics, book events, and publishers. I'm your third-week host, Cole Erickson. That poem you just heard was from Heather Swan, who joins us in the studio today. Heather is a poet, nonfiction writer, and educator here in Madison. Her poetry includes the collection A Kinship with Ash, which was a finalist for the ASLE Book Award, and her chapbook, The Edge of Damage, which was the winner of the Wisconsin Chapbook Award. She is also the author of the nonfiction book, Where Honeybees Thrive, Stories from the Field, which won the Sigurd F. Olson Nature Writing Award. In addition to her writing, she also teaches environmental literature and writing at the University of Wisconsin here in Madison. Today, she joins us in the studio to discuss her latest book, Dandelion, it's a collection of poetry which explores our uniquely human relationship with this natural world, not only in its wondrous beauty, but also in its devastation and fragility. Heather Swan, thank you so much for being here and congrats on the book.
0: Thank you very much, I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yeah, it was a pleasure to read. I'm, uh, I'm so happy to have uh, discovered this poetry book. I know uh, there was much talk with your previous book um, where honeybees thrive and um, I love that segue uh, from nonfiction writing of such I think a poetic topic mm-hmm. and also just um, with so much to discuss to a, a poetry book that also has such natural elements into it mm-hmm. um, I guess my first question is what kind of what brought you into dandelion this poetry collection uh, from your previous nonfiction book
0: so I um my first book was—I um, actually had a chapbook come out before the nonfiction book, but that book took me um, quite a few years to write. And um, when I was doing that, I was always kind of writing um, some poems on the side. And um, after the um, the nonfiction book came out, *A Kinship with Ash* came out, um, but it was during the pandemic, and it was actually just about a month after my father had died. Mm-hmm. And um, and so. Actually, the truth is that I didn't realize that I was writing Dandelion. I, um, I think that when I look back on that period of time when all of us were kind of, um, it was sort of a, a moment of universal grief and pause um, and reflection, and you know, and and then I had this very personal grief, which was the loss of my dad, and um, as well as. A, a sort of deep, um, awareness. And, um, I mean, I, I feel that I carry a lot of pain about the, the destruction of the, of the world. Yeah. And so the grief, um, I think that dealing with, um, so many levels of grief, um, sort of at the same time, yeah, definitely. um, allowed me to process that in different ways. And one of the things that I am really, I'm a strong believer in is that um, the the, it's such a miracle that we're alive um, on this planet, which is so remarkable that it's like kind of ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's overwhelming. Yeah, it it is. I mean, Mm. if we just stopped and, you know, talked about bees, which, you know, we could for (laughs) hours, um, any kind of bee. Um, th- that alone just is enough of a miracle to make you feel like, wow, it's incredible that we're here. And so I think that while I was processing the grief for on these many levels, I was also trying to remember with the writing all of those reasons to continue to be joyful and, mm. um, and grateful uh, for the, the life that we have. So what happened was that I, I ended up having just a collection of poems, and I felt like, oh, I think this might be a book, and so then, um, yeah, the stand line. <laughs>
1: No, it it was. Um, thank you. Yeah, it, it's uh, that's. I think what I really love about this book, it has a, it has such an interesting juxtaposition between, um, as you said, you 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 want to look at all the you're dealing with this pain and this you know all this grief both personally and then more outwardly as far as just the world. And and you kinda yeah, you end up all these overwhelmingly positive things of, of being alive and everything. But what I love about this poetry book is everything is kind of included. I mean this this beauty this beauty that is in the world, honestly next to that, which is also painful. And I yeah. think that's one thing where sometimes in writing it can be it can feel filtered. It can feel in this like non human way of just like, oh, this is all over really, the beautiful nature book or something, but Mm -hmm. there's something dramatically human, I think, about having something so beautiful right next to something so painful as Mm -hmm. well. So I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you, how would you say, in this book, I think, in going off that, um, how do you wrestle with, when does the scope go so small in regards to the beauty of a honeybee, or... Or the sadness of losing someone, and when does the scope get bigger and 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 the beauty of more just being alive conceptually, or the pain and destruction of more ecology how do you how do you wrestle with where you put that focus in how big and how small in your writing?
0: That's a fascinating question uh so I think that um poems always start with an image for me mm. and so. Sometimes the image is um, sometimes the image is something like this is going to sound crazy, but like the light on a building. Yeah. And I'll think, wow, there's this beauty, and um, and I I'm always I'm I'm sort of greedy for that for finding those things, and um, I think that when I'm making a poem, um, it's so interesting because the scale sometimes moves in and out for me mm-hmm. and i don't think that i i decide at the beginning of the poem like oh this is going to be a poem that's about except perhaps okay so unless i, I sort of have a direction that's yeah. in you know like i i was i was writing for example about a climate change exhibit so okay. then i knew it was going to be about climate change yeah but, uh, but but most of the time poems come to me in these very strange sort of um you know, mysterious ways where I there's there there will be an image and I will I will sort of notice it and take take it in and then I I'm almost like on a scavenger hunt waiting for the next thing to mm, yeah. to come and and I love um, I love the tension that you're talking about um, mm, yeah. and I feel like my life is f- so um, as we all we we all have this life it's it's so inundated with information that is overwhelmingly scary yeah right? and oh, yeah. and 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 sad. I mean mm-hmm. I, I feel like um we live in this moment when we know you know intimately about you know, like my daughter has a little bracelet on her wrist that tells her where her shark is that she's got a little shark. I mean we have this kind of amazing wow. yeah. technology of <laughs> yeah. like, Um, you know, knowing how many sea turtles are being born and how many people just died in this building collapse in these places that we normally, you know, in a time when we didn't have this kind of communication, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: would never have known. And so that's good and bad, right? It's incredibly wonderful. And it's also really overwhelming, I think. And so for me, um, and I think about my students who have grown up in this, you know, like with an apocalyptic narrative since they were five, you know, and I think like... How are they doing? <laughs> yeah because how do you and
1: how do you how do you give yeah. them information especially like as an educator? Yeah. I mean like half the time just giving information is like but but are you okay with this information as I'm giving them? I mm-hmm, mean like mm-hmm. there's such a like a back and forth of like mm-hmm. of yeah, both having the information but then also that reaction to it and making room for that. I think that's what interests me so much about you in regards to your nonfiction and then your poetry is because yeah, we live in such a world where we, we, information is so important and it's so needed and it creates this beauty and this empathy and this, you know, mobilizing of different things. But also we need the time to react to that. Mm-hmm. And I think I think poetry is really beautiful in that way too. It's it's not necessarily communication. It's more something you sit, it's, it's more of a meditation, I feel like. You sit mm-hmm. with it a little bit longer.
0: That's really interesting um, that you said that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, uh, what's really inc- so I just finished teaching an eco-poetry class and okay. um, I, I always ask the students how they are I check in with them a lot during the semester um, because the work that we read is you know it's sometimes elegy it's sometimes sort of more traditional um, pastoral it's sometimes you know so it's it's a balance of praise poems prayer poems meditations and ecologically um, sort of um, I mean, so some poems are really focused on environmental destruction, right? So they yeah. they're sort of like documentary poems so, or docu poems. And I think that um, one of the interesting things about what you just said is that that, that the poetry allows, uh, I mean, maybe not all poetry, but certainly this c- type of poetry um, allows a space for us to, to process what we can't process when mm-hmm. it's just a news story. We, yeah. we, we have no space for it. We are, And it's also it's coming so fast, and it's in statistics and these numbers that are just flying past us. And I think what happens with poetry is that it opens up this little space um, where you can actually have an experience of grieving or yeah. of, of connection yeah. and of empathy. and And that, I think... Moving through that pain actually brings you to the other side, where you can experience joy. Mm, and so, yeah. in some ways, it's funny because I always think, okay, now they're reading the hard poems, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are they going to be? Okay? Yeah. How do you decipher? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the
0: truth is that, like, so there's this, there's this really beautiful collection called Cold Pastoral by Rebecca Dunham. If you've never read it, you mm-hmm. should check it out. But okay, it takes something like an oil spill, and. And tries to elegize all of these different aspects of what happens after that whale spill, and and what's so interesting to me is that the students always love that unit because it gives them a place to have an emotion around yeah. that stuff that is just too big to to conceive of. You know, I mean, it's just it's too vast. It's mm-hmm. um, and so so they're grateful because what happens is, given that opportunity to actually f- have a feeling and grieve, they move through that. It's very much um, a chance for them to feel the sadness, but then also recognize that there's still beauty that exists. And mm-hmm. and in that book, that happens. Um, and I hope that in my own book that I um, am always, sh- like, as you said, like showing or or or, or naming things that are happening, witnessing mm-hmm. things that are happening, but also saying there's so much beauty still Hmm. um you know it's funny because i just um i just spent a little time with jane Hirschfeld, and and i remember her saying that the thing is that the poets have the obligation to pay attention you know to the suffering in the world but we also have the obligation to pay attention to the beauty and i think that that is that's been my you know that's kind of the core for me i feel like it's about honesty and it's also about remembering that we are so lucky to be here you well, know we're, we're lucky we're
1: alive and i think also it's a it's a way of contrasting the, the devastation the destruction i think the the pain there there's something to be actually specifically positive and i mean this in like a active sense mm-hmm. of of going I, I mean you in this book you you raise an awareness you raise an emotion in regards to an ecological catastrophe that's happening. You also raise an awareness and, a, and an emotion of a personal loss that, you're, that you dealt with, mm-hmm. with, your, with your father, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one thing I think we can all understand more on a level of, not necessarily all, but in different ways, is when you lose someone, there's a period of grief. There's a moment where you got to call off work. You know, you got to there's some sort of ceremony that I think is usually needed in some way, whether personally or shared or whatnot, but a a sense of space that you have to put yourself in Mm -hmm. in order to keep moving forward. And if you don't, you kind of have your own destruction that comes upon you if you don't mediate yourself in a in a way personally to deal with that, to grieve and different things. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think that's interesting with your poetry is that I think what what I responded to is that sense of we also need that those days off of work metaphorically in this ecological collapse. Absolutely. You know, we, we how do we how do we properly grieve so we can move forward and continue to, mm-hmm. I think, be positive and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: I um, love um, I, I, it because what you're calling for is sort of. Um, a moment for ceremony, um, a moment for ritual. And and that happens for different people in different ways. But I think that one of the things that poetry can do, especially for people that don't have that time Mm. or don't make that time, is that it just makes a little space. It just, you know, maybe it's only 15 minutes where you sit down and you read and think about something for a few minutes. I mean, um, I think it does slow you down. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, partly... I mean, I think that one of the things about poetry is that it it, it affects us uh, differently because it's so distilled. The language is so distilled and it's so much... Um,
1: it's not prose. It's not communication. It's well, it's interesting in a that sense. you say it's not communication. Yeah. I think it is. I, <laughs> yeah, may, maybe I that's push a back hot on take. that. But yeah. it's like,
0: I think what you're saying is that it's not like delivering mm. um, news maybe? Or tell me more about that.
1: Well, yeah. And one thing, uh, another thing I think what... what because it's it's always interesting when you're reading poetry, and especially when you read poetry you you like, and you're like, why the heck do I like this, mm-hmm. right? And I, th- I one thing I've I noticed in your poetry is there's a I I don't want to use this word, but I want to use it to to paint the picture that it's it's gross. Is that po- when you read a political poem, mm-hmm. when you read something that has a political or a statement to it in a societal way and I don't usually like that those even Mm. when I agree with a message Mm. because it's a little (laughs) bit too prose it's a little bit too deliberate
0: interesting yeah
1: and and the the poetry I find in dandelion is much more creating a vessel and a space for those prose that you have in your mind to then find a vessel within poetry where Mm -hmm. it can rest Mm-hmm. and be more, does that make any sense? That sense of not necessarily writing for a statement, but writing for something more, something more yeah. ethereal. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I, that's
0: so interesting. Beyond
1: I, communication in, okay, in well, some they, way. Oh, I don't you. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> no. communicating, but not linguistically, in a sense. It's so interesting. I yeah. feel
0: like, um, certainly, the poetry, I mean, I think the best poetry has all kinds of mystery. Yeah, um, mysteries. Worked in... For. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's absolutely a space for all kinds of uh, mm. poetry, and and um, you know certainly, you know, throughout history, poetry has been in- incredibly like an incredibly important place for yeah. political um, sort of statements and uh, sort of resistance and all of that. I think the thing is that my own work, uh, like you said, is much more. I'm I'm sort of I'm. You know, I lean more towards lyric, and I think that—so um, that's why it's really fascinating, too, to move between prose and poetry. Yeah, like. yeah,
1: exactly, yeah.
0: Um, and I think that when I'm writing prose, um, uh, the way that I like to think about prose and poetry, for, mm-hmm. f- f- just for myself, and forgive this <laughs> very honeybee-oriented um, No, please. I love the honeybee oriented. I think yeah. that <laughs> prose is like a field of blossoms. And Ooh, okay. it's, you know, and it's beautiful and it's myriad and there's so many different colors and shapes and all of that. And the thing about poetry for me is that it's a distillation like honey. So it's Ooh, it's, okay. uh, it's taking all of that, you know, information, information yes, yeah. and distilling it into this very intense, small unit of possibly sweetness or whatever, hmm. you know, Experiential say, right? though, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, I think it's about... Um, yeah, sort of pressing that, pressing it down into a small unit that can be, for me, again, you know, yeah. all poets work differently, but I want it to be um, a place where there's a, a, an intense experience. Hmm. And usually, because that is, there's such a diverse, you know, field mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm dealing with, it will include things that are difficult and things that are beautiful, right because yeah. that's part of what I'm taking in as mm-hmm. a human being in the world right now you know so um, I was thinking about the that thing that you said about um, the need to have a space f- f- where, you, where you don't go to work you yeah know, where yeah you take, yeah and um, I will say that one of the things also about my my writing um, and my and just who I am is that my space my the place that I go to heal from anything is back to the natural world. So mm,
1: okay, yeah.
0: the day after, I have a poem in here that is about the day after my dad died and and the place that I went was onto the water.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Um, would you like me to read uh, it?
1: I was gonna say, yeah, I would love that. Um, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: On the day after you left this world, I floated out to the island of bird bones where their long gone voice now Whisper, whispers in the cattails, looking for solitude, solace, but found instead three cranes waiting, who let me join them there on the shore. Night fell, and we stayed, all of us, cranes, crickets, cattails, my broken body breathing. And in the graying light, the breeze stroked the cool waters of the lake, the water lapping the soil, until all of it was not separate, all of it became one breath.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, and that poem too. It, I think it, what it does is, and other poems in your book, you you play with that idea of how we see ourselves, which I love. Um, you there's, oh, if there's I want to like, don't want to mess up the quote, but there's a, there's one line in one of your. Um, uh, the Noah's wife days mm-hmm. and um you say, what is a river out of its banks but water? Mm-hmm. And I think um y- you that kinda of think goes on to that oneness again as well. Where it's just mm-hmm. like this and even maybe an in indifference, you kinda I think you kinda point out a kind of a grace of indifference within mm-hmm. that too of um and maybe that's not the right word, but that sense of just as as there is death and violence even just with the nature different things you find a a a wholeness mm-hmm. i think in it mm-hmm. um which yeah, thank you that's I really that's yeah.
0: fascinating the, and i think that w- one of the things i think about all the time is interconnection and mm-hmm. i feel like we have created this sort of um I feel like we've sort of tricked ourselves into thinking that we're separate from nature and that we're separate from each other. And mm. in fact, you know, on a cellular level and on a molecular level, yeah. we're all very much interconnected. Um, but I think that uh, it gives me, uh, yeah, it's funny, indifference is an interesting idea because I think that it, there is, it's, it's. I wouldn't have said that word, but I think that what I would have said is maybe um, an acknowledgement of, that truth that Mm. allows me to have a certain comfort with yeah um
1: a balance maybe too right right right
0: right yeah and i feel like i i do have a sense that there's this you know that the energy is never destroyed it's only transformed Mm -hmm. and so um you know my when my father left this this spot you know the bodies that were given um I didn't feel like he was really completely gone, you know? I yeah. knew that there was a it was a transformation. And so that was very comforting to me.
1: Yeah. The um the I think as you talk about that too, that transformation. I mean, I mean even just in this in this conversation and what you're writing, we're we're searching for words, we're searching mm-hmm. for the right things mm-hmm. to label, yeah. you know, and and I think that's part of that com- that compulsive nature i think of humans specifically yeah. Yeah. that that does i think s- set us apart uh, mm-hmm. from from the rest of the natural world is this this obsessiveness with nature i mean of uh, language and conceptualizing yes. and i think it also it, it it brings up the idea of your title which i love because i immediately kind of clicked on to this idea of like a dandelion and what that means mm-hmm. and how um, can you speak a little bit about kind of the where what made you what made you choose the title of, yeah. um, of this book cause I'd love to know what it
0: meant for you too yeah I mean I think that everyone has a different experience of Mm-hmm. of uh, any word yeah like you, yeah. you know you're talking about this you know our desire to name things and i think about in some ways every single word is a metaphor right because yeah. it's always distant from you know the thing that it's
1: signifying. love that poem by the way Metaphor. <laughs> That's, that speaks directly to it But yes. thank you
0: yeah so i think that the thing about dandelions for me is that i have loved them um you mm-hmm. know since i was a child and and there's there's a there's an absolutely wonderful experience of after you know the gray of winter, the flowers that often come early in the spring are dandelions, yeah. and so the the memory of you know when yellow come comes back to you after having gray for so long it's yeah. such a it's such an incredible um, thrill you know mm-hmm. to see that color again, and so there's a part of a part of that that has to do with just that. My sense that they're beautiful. They are also called weeds, and, and that's what I was going to
1: speak to. Yeah, which we, is always yeah. interesting.
0: And we kill them, and mm-hmm. they're actually medicinal plants. And we have this way of of naming certain parts of nature and saying these are, you know, these are weeds, and so therefore they're, you know, just yeah. they're murderable or yeah, exactly, destroyable. The yeah. power of that, yeah, right. And yeah. so I think that for me that there were so many. Uh, levels and the final one, I guess, well, not maybe even the final one, but another very large one was that when a dandelion dies, we we wish on it. You know, uh-huh. we send these, you know, these little gray headed
1: yeah. flowers
0: that, as children, you know, we're blowing on them and making wishes. And I think that there's something really um, about this whole book that might be a wish for our world. You mm. know, um, but I also feel like the dandelion is this. Um, it's an example of something that's so beautiful that is completely taken for granted and so in fact that it's it's there's a loathing towards this plant and it's yeah. so fascinating to mm-hmm. me and i feel like that's kind of the thing that we're dealing with all the time with with the natural world because um you know something like a great example of something so crazy is that we have these videos online of murmurations of starlings, right? They're so beautiful and people love them. And there's like classical music playing and they're just undulating all over the sky and everybody's yeah. like, oh my gosh. <laughs> we have a pesticide yeah. called starlicide because starlings also will go in and eat crops. So there, it's, oh, isn't gosh. it crazy yeah. how, yeah. so we call something a pest because it's getting in the way of a human desire mm-hmm. and then, then we make something to destroy it, you know? And, and, and so like I think... And and sometimes that's that's necessary. Like you know, a mosquito, for example, is killing people, and people yeah. want to destroy the mosquito, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Um,
1: but the wholeness you know, of things. But I that's mean, it. Yeah. That's the thing. that yeah.
0: Like you know, we're starting. You know, things are sort of. You know, we have to be careful because mm-hmm. things are falling apart. Like these ecosystems, that for you know millions of years have evolved to to this place where there's all kinds of balances are suddenly being like you know taking up a whole middle section or you're mm-hmm. taking about you know taking out one key species and and we don't even know which ones are the key species sometimes you know what i mean like yeah, i just think exactly. it's kind of so so the the dandelion is it just it operates on so many levels um and i think that it, it, i hope that it invites some questions from people that you know that read it because um, it it actually operates in different ways in the book as well.
1: Yeah, oh definitely. and <laughs> and I explored that too. Um, one I, I which I love, which I think would um, be great for you to read because I think it kind of it puts forth a a level of human mm-hmm. activity that I think is very interesting.
0: Sure. Um, and I will say that um I, I I was I was really moved to share this poem um, after. This is a poem called "Redress" from Michelangelo. Um, but in the, I don't know if you remember. Last year, there was this um, this principal that was fired from her school in Florida for allowing her the art students in her school to see the David. Um, oh, I so heard about that. Name. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I when I wrote this poem, I thought this kind of thing would never happen in this moment. So I felt like it was a historical sort mm, of okay. poem. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So here we go. Here's the epigraph. In 1559, during Michelangelo's lifetime, Paul IV employed Daniel de la Volterra to paint loincloths on the nudes in the Sistine Chapel. So it's called Redress for Michelangelo. Imagine climbing into that ceiling, into all that color and light, in order to mask that masterpiece. The beauty somehow despised the way we've learned to despise the gold in a field of dandelions, as if seeing our own bodies might damage us, like staring too long at the sun. Imagine obscuring the work of a man whose renderings came from years of attention to lips, shoulders, thighs, who, in a room somewhere, was still fumbling with his charcoal toward perfect Chiaro's girl.
1: Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I think I think that gets at this subject of dandelions in a really interesting way. It's almost, it almost is kind of funny to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, when you when you kind of look at the human race or whatever, and you're just like, man, it's really weird what we're doing here, and just like, <laughs> and and just and the dandelion, the dandelion thing, I think is is great because, you know, we we talk about the environment and kind of how we manage resources and different things, and sometimes you. You feel really small in that. You know, you you read a news article or something about how we're managing these resources, but you're you know you're just going to work. You're just kind of, you don't have too much stake in things. But, you know, we do manage our lawns, right? Yes, we, do we do have there. There's <laughs> like there is some sort of resource that we do manage each day and each and each moment. And and I think that's where too. There's a there's a level of like no, we are we are actively with it here and 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 why are we doing this why are we covering up why are why are we mowing our lawns so tidy and green and and with this aspect of like yeah what's what's happening underneath the soil what's Mm -hmm. happening here Mm -hmm. and um um yeah so I, i think i love that um how do you um how do you keep a you talk about this sense of this optimism and this beauty within kind of nature and whatnot what do you think it is that keeps you positive keeps you moving forward without going into despair and yet still clinging to or not clinging but still diving into an information of suffering and an awareness i think because i think an, an instinct that a lot of people have is we hear some of these things like oh you know, do you know about what you're doing to your line? I was like, oh, don't tell me about yeah. that because you're just ruining my day, my mood. Right. Um, what What is it you think, even in that negativity that you you plunge through and you go into, without just saying, no, I'll turn this off. I won't listen to you know, because I think that's always interesting. Does oh, that make sense? Does that absolutely. make sense? To the question? No, yeah. I think
0: it's a, it's a great question, and I think but uh, what's, what's it's such a great question actually um i don't know why i'm not really really just on the floor crying yes. <laughs> now, <'cause laughs> yeah I'm, i mean for the things that i read and think about um it's 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 so um devastating to me and i think that um you know one of the things about you know i'm sure that you know many i'm not unique in this but but my own childhood was interesting in that i um I spent a lot of time outside, mm. and uh, I moved a lot. So I lived in um, prairies in Illinois and, and wooded areas, and then I lived in the mountains of Colorado, and I lived um, near the ocean in Massachusetts, and I lived in New York and back to Colorado, and then I, my dad lived in Wisconsin. And so wow. I had yeah. this... Um, I had um, <laughs> not as many human friends, but I had a dog. Okay. And so yeah. um, when I was in any of those new spaces I always explored them with this dog that was my you know main companion and um I got to know those landscapes and the the creatures that lived in those landscapes and I never thought of myself as being less than that or, or being more than more, them I always yeah. felt like we were all sort of um I, I I did in fact now I sort of think like there are times when I feel like we are less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, can we talk about octopi for a second? Like, or octopuses, sure. I guess. <laughs> Tell me about um, octopi. Well, no, yeah. I mean, they're, I just, like, they're so crazy smart. I just, I don't know. And I oh, I don't yeah. know. I sometimes think humans think that we're like the top. And I'm like, oh, are we true. sure that we
1: are? <laughs> Almost. Yeah, I get um, what you mean. Yeah, even yeah. just in a level of intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I think, I guess, to, to make my point a bit more clear, I, I, I have always been aware of all these beings. And it wasn't mm. something that I that that I thought that anyone said oh you know these are sentient beings yeah. um I've always just I've always just sort of thought they were and yeah. and so I and I feel like um you know I've had these moments in my life where I felt very very connected um to the non-human world sometimes more so than the than the human world and and I think that when all of this destruction is happening it's like it's like watching, um, you know, a friend die. It's just, it's like, yeah, it's so much agony. Uh, and and so there's a part of me that is very much, it's so funny that you said um, that you feel there's a difference between like political poetry. There's a part of me that feels like everything I write is activism. Because yeah. I feel yeah. like what I, I'm desperately trying to do is say, please pay attention. Exactly. Notice yeah. this incredible gift we have around us that we are cementing over and mining through and acidifying and you know we're just we're so so sort of hell-bent on you know all of the things that you know the more this and the better this and and which is all fine um but we need to be more gentle to the world yeah and so I think that I probably am um on some level clinging as you said no, I... And then you sort of restate it and say, well, maybe you're not clinging, but I am clinging. Well, I think I say that because
1: <laughs> I, I do that, too. I think it's a sense of and, and 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 how that feels. sometimes I think what the feeling can be a, a bit tight. Yeah. I think that's what's can be overwhelming. I mean, whether it's whether it's ecological, whether it's maybe even something, you know, just any sort of issue, yeah, you know, absolutely. and and you, you know, you feel tightened sometimes. And then. And then you realize you're you're getting tightened up, and for the gentleness, mm-hmm. which is contradictory maybe at times. And and one thing too, you speak about growing up and kind of how you're con. I think I would say you're conditioning to the world or your your sense of developing in the world. Um, you have a lot of poems in this book that um, reference either like myth, uh, like Noah's Ark, which I love. Or also just um, just fictional animal characters, Dumbo, <laughs> Piglet, you know Kermit, mm-hmm. and um, like like Piglet, for example. I mean, I mean, bacon is in that is that word is in that uh, poem, Piglet, and mm-hmm. yet it you know it is Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. c- cute in your mind as mm-hmm. far as at first, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Can you speak to a little bit about kind of the difference? In regards to how we conceptualize animals maybe as a myth maybe in TV or cartoons sure. or storytelling yeah. versus kind of the real world and how that maybe differs and how it's maybe somewhat similar I mean it's yeah.
0: I mean it is fascinating when you think about walking into a child's room a playroom mm. yeah. and it's filled with animals stuffed animals. Um, animal human hybrids in the form of like little you know action figures that are maybe superheroes and things like that you know you can think about all of the ways in which we um we use animals in in our in our children's lives and and part of that is to maybe um encourage imagination you know so that there's this pretend world that you can enter in but what happens i think is that we have we have you know we've sort of s- completely saturated this you know world with um caricatures yes right caricatures and i'm just i I was thinking two logos like there are so many logos that have animals in them Mm. um many sports teams um yeah car commercials i mean they're just it's it's (laughs) kind of incredible how um we have animals in so much of our media you know our movies um and yeah, we're cartoons. not ignoring, we're not
1: ignoring the animals, but yet, yeah, right, but they're yeah, everywhere. that's what's interesting. We love them, but mm. we also
0: they're so distinctly different from the reality of the of the animal's life, you know? So yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that like the poem that you are referencing um Piglet is is a really tough one, right? Because I think that what we know about um about pigs is that they're brilliant, you know, they're really, really smart, and they um, can solve all kinds of problems. And we don't want to think about them as intelligent creatures that we should have empathy for, and yeah. instead we focus on something like a dolphin. Like think like, oh, you know, let's let's focus our saving yeah. efforts because we love to eat bacon, you know, we yeah, love it. Exactly. That's part yeah. of our culture, and so. I, I I think that sometimes, and those poems, I don't—they're not easy poems. I, mm. I don't feel like they're—they're they're well, easy. Well, the subject's
1: for... not easy. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm I'm vegetarian, and I I I think even just my onyx, you know, that conversation—if anyone ever like dives into it—even myself, I don't know. I don't know what that conversation even is sometimes, or how to even feel in regards to our relationship to the world, because it's it is difficult. I mean, or even like how we go home and just live our comfy lives. Like how much is how much is too much? How much discomfort do we need to put on ourselves? I mean, there's a. I think that's that's a really interesting kind of dynamic to always navigate too. Is like. Like okay, Heather, you you've made me feel this, you know, <laughs> uncomfortable. So you know what I mean. It's like, yeah. but what does that mean, right? And yeah. I think that's what's always. I think that's what I love too, with the medium of poetry in regards to this, uh, this activation, if you will, because it navigates that nuance more than it just delivers. Mm-hmm. You know, because you you need to feel. This information, well, you know, and
0: I will say that I yeah. know that I am so complicit. Like, I realize that like, I get in airplanes, and yeah, I, yeah. Um, you know, I have shoes on right now that are made out of leather, you yeah. know, and I I have a toothbrush that's plastic, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so exactly. Pl- by no means, we're innocent in it. Person. Yeah. We are, yeah. we're, we're so entangled, and I think that um, for me, it's, it's trying to figure out a new way that's gentler you know mm-hmm. like and I just I know that I can't say okay like let's halt everything I, I couldn't do it myself you know what yeah. I mean I, I but we could probably do better you yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> than we're yeah. Doing now. and so the poems probably don't have I think that what you're what I'm what I'm hearing from you is a part of it is that you don't you don't want the poem to be like pointing at you and 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 saying you're guilty of this maybe because I do I think yeah that, I don't
1: know well yeah.
0: but I would say that the poems don't have an answer <laughs> That's, True, that's because yeah, I yeah. don't have an answer. True, you know, I don't, and mm-hmm. I feel like I, if 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 I have any answer, it's you know, it's for myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, so like, where do I go with my grief? I go to yeah. the light that's you know, coming through the ice at the end of the day on a really miserable, cold, gray, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sad day. <laughs> um, but I think that, like. I don't have I don't have an answer. I do feel like we need to look at those things though. We need mm-hmm. to be aware that it's happening. If yeah. nothing else, you know, one of the things that people are always surprised to hear me say is that, you know, I I'm a vegetarian myself, but I always really respect hunters yeah. because someone that goes out in the at four o'clock in the morning and it's freezing and they go with their dad or whoever else is going and their sister and, and they're going out and they're in the woods and they exactly. wait until you know, a deer walks by, and then they kill the deer, yeah. and it dies. If they're good, it yeah. dies instantly, and then they eat everything. They mm-hmm. take they take all those animals and they use them. And I think to myself, like, if I wanted to eat meat, that's the way I want to want to eat it. You know, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't kill a deer, <laughs> but <laughs> no. but I respect that so much because I think exactly. that has. I mean, when we buy meat. In the grocery store, it's all wrapped up in plastic, and it's not even yeah. like a cow isn't called cow, it's called beef. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so, the dandelion
1: language right there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean,
0: it's, it's just, I think it's interesting how we have distanced, our, distanced ourselves so thoroughly from. Um, it's a
1: relationship, right? I mean, it's. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's and a relationship. I, I would totally echo that sentiment. I think th- that's. I mean, I, I have a family of, like, you know, hunters or whatever, but mm. I admire that. I mean, I admire that. That's, I think, a mid a Midwest spirit that I've I moved around a little bit myself. And um, one thing, particularly with the Midwest coming back to recently, because I've only just moved back recently to the Midwest, is understanding when you're in different places, you understand. Humans' relationship with nature a little bit differently, you know, like mm-hmm. oh yeah, here everybody hunts and fishes, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you know, like everybody in Oregon, like they go hiking because the mountain, you know, there's like yeah. a mountainous kind of relationship, and um, that relationship, I think, is something that is just so we need to celebrate that mm-hmm. more in itself. I think there's something so um, just uh, inherent in there. Absolutely. That I, that I think too with the poetry, it's it's that space we're talking about. What does that mean? Maybe it's this, this relational aspect to things, more on a a level of a bond, more than a level of what do we do or a yeah, which I think is yeah wonderful. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I love that idea of there being a bond. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yes. Um, yeah, and, and in regards to empathy, um, in regards to, like, the relationship of things, uh, yeah, did you want to share a poem that um, that you... It's a particular one, yeah, speaking about, about kind of sharks and whatnot. Yeah, you want to okay. go ahead?
0: So I have a poem... Um, I have a, a series of poem, poems in the book that mm-hmm. are called Field Notes.
1: Yes. And oh, yeah.
0: um, many of them are animals that I see in my daily life. Um, but one of them is about... Um, great white sharks, and I've been thinking about sharks, and so this mm-hmm. shark is about my journey with them, um, and it's called Field Notes, White Shark. Oh, big fish, are you lonely? You who did not choose your fierce body, which does as anybody does with the gifts it has been given. Your body, which is blade, carving the dark salt currents across the unknowable depths where I floated but did not belong. Your body, which is mouth, rows of ragged teeth, each longer than my thumb, to which nothing will not succumb. How is it your gills' magic oxygen from the substance that would drown me? I held my breath when I saw you, my awkward limbs pawing the blue. Does anyone pause to gaze into your fathomless indigo eyes? I confess I looked away. Does your rough gunmetal skin long to be touched like mine does? What did you want from me, Big Fish? I had waited a lifetime for you. Were you carrying your children in your belly like I have done, who would, after so many months, swim from you, the way dreams leave our heads when we wake? Or were you yourself a child? Maybe you were weary, or wary of my kind. I have seen what we do to you, the way we cut you and release you, finless, back to bleed out in the sea, or the way we lure you with ch- I'm um, sorry, chum and cages for display, and blame you when things go awry. I apologize for the years I let you down, repeating the story that robbed you. You swam on that day as I did, but I wonder, had I stayed, but oh, great fish, I'm a fool. No one will ever tame you.
1: Hmm. thank you, thank you yeah <laughs> uh it, it speaks a lot to the wildness. Mm -hmm. I think of nature that can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. sometimes or violent again. Mm -hmm. Uh, what does violence mean when it's natural versus Mm -hmm. maybe what we're, you know, what us humans and our violent world. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I love that. Um, yeah, it's, it speaks to the, the non cookie cutter world that we Mm -hmm. inhabit, Mm -hmm. I think. Um,
0: It's interesting too. When I was doing my research on sharks, one of the things about them is that they're very um, uh, that they never kill for sport.
1: Mm. They, you know, they only
0: kill because they're going to eat something. So, um, it's funny. I didn't think this conversation was going to be about violence, but it's you know, it's kind of going back to that deer hunter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The 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 shark is really
1: well an intention, um, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the intention of? the natural state of that we're mm-hmm. I don't know yeah I think I, I think that yeah there's there's a lot when you're looking at nature I love your field notes kind of phenomenon that you that you <laughs> scatter throughout this poetry book because it's there's a sense of you you're you're exploring ideas but you're also like the the field note is a sense of but also this is just a watching like mm-hmm. you know what I mean I think there's a you have to you have to think and understand and criticize but you also just need to sit and know and just like this is what's happening interesting you Mm -hmm, know and mm -hmm. i think that that is half the wisdom right is is uh is kind of those pauses and those notations thank you you for
0: saying that i do just hope that we could we could listen more yeah listening Mm. and pausing like you said
1: yeah well, thank you. Uh, we could just keep talking. I know I've it's a great book. And I, I think we should end uh, the, the last poem in this book is a wonderful closer. And I think it'd be wonderful um, if we could maybe end this show with that, because um, I think it just leaves a beautiful um, sense of things. So yeah, if you want to go ahead with the last one, and then we can close it out. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. This poem um, is called Gleam and there's an epigraph that just says, Lake Edge, January. In the same way ice carries light, by which I mean changed, intensified, by which I mean kaleidoscopic or transformed, by which I mean a suddenly visible spectrum from violet to cerulean to rose. This body, by which I mean this, this thorax, this spine, this skin, carries awareness this being, these beings, by which I mean all, by which I mean carp, antelope, lichen, and birds, the lightest of all who live on wind, are allowed to bear witness to gravity, to iron, to calcium and blood, and to the shimmer of rye mice, to the glint of gold on a honeybee wing, to the flint of a lover's eye, this gleam of late afternoon sun, and to witness also fists and teeth breakage, and war, so briefly, so very briefly, by which I mean death, by which I mean you may shine before the end.
1: Heather Swan, thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Cole. This has been so lovely.
1: I've been speaking with author Heather Swan. Her newest poetry book, Dandelion, is available now from Terrapin Books online and at bookstores near you. You can also find out more about Heather's writing on her website, heatherswan.net. Also, please look out for her new nonfiction book, A Companion Piece to Where Honeybees Thrive, which is expected to release later this year. Its title, Where the Grass Still Sings, Stories of Insects and Interconnection. You've been listening to Madison BookBeat, your community radio home for local authors, topics, book events, and publishers. I've been your host, Cole Erickson. Thanks to our guests this hour and to engineer Andrew Thomas. Up next, three hours of jazz with Alex Wilden-White, but first, the Insurgent Radio Kiosk. I'll catch you next month. You've been listening to Community Radio, WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Thank you.